Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Say something funny for the opening. But I tell you what, lads. You're pulling my finger, aren't you? Winding me up. Bam, 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 bam. My name is Adam Boltwood. Joining me, as always, is the one and only... David O'Brien. Yes, I got the one and only this week. You're that in. is a great start to the podcast. And as always, we've also got Lawrence McKenna here. Got a lot to talk about. Let's get down to it. Lots to talk about. I want to start off by got talking Chelsea. about. Um, well, we're, we're coming Mitch up on the show, we have got. We're talking about Pep Guardiola. We're talking about the Champions League, Europa League draw. We're talking about it all. And we've got a special guest this week, Rory Jennings from the Chelsea Fans Channel. Later on, he's going to be joining us to talk about Chelsea and their current problems. But first off, Lawrence, I'm going to come to you first. Mm-hmm. Pep Guardiola is reportedly decided to leave Bayern Munich at the end of the season. It hasn't been confirmed by the club or by himself. He's apparently going to come out next week and clarify his future. But the reports coming out of Spain, specifically in Marca, first off, uh, first off, sorry, were that he has made the decision. He's decided it's, uh, it's run its course at Bayern Munich. What do you make of that decision? He's achieved quite a lot in his time there, um, changing parts of the culture, uh, changing uh, in, in terms of the, his, the Spanish influence or uh, what some people call a more Latin American influence, the likes of Vidal in there. Uh, and then also obviously Xavi Alonso, Xavi Martinez, uh, and moving a little bit more towards a Barcelona-esque model, even though, you know, still keeping the Bayern Munich roots essentially. And... Uh, I, I think overall Bayern Munich are going to be very happy with the time they've had him there. Uh, what I'm going to say is I don't know if it's really... Sur- I, I, I don't know how Bayern Munich are going to pick up from that almost. How are they going to progress from there? Well, uh, Carlo Ancelotti is apparently the man they've earmarked to take over for Pope Guardiola. I mean, they, they seem very different would managers, say? Dave, would you, would you say? Yeah, definitely. But I think what Ancelotti does very well is when he follows a manager that does keep such discipline that's the type of job you want. You know, post-Mourinho, Ancelotti is your best man. So kind of like with Guardiola, where he's it's very sort of anal in a way of what he, how he wants his sides to play football, the style of play. Is, there's so many things that you've got to be thinking about. Having someone like Ancelotti that sort of gives the players the power back, sort of empowers his players to make the decisions. So it's, it's, it's probably the perfect thing for Bayern Munich post-Guardiola. Uh, My question is, though, mm. in terms of what how he's built this squad now, you're seeing this real Latin influence. It's weird that he's potentially will be leaving it then this season when Why? it's when finally it, it's a, coming to its zenith yeah when it's finally becoming a Guardiola squad with players that can play this style of, of football it seems a little bit strange for me do you think if he feels a little bit like he will win I mean it, it looks very clear that they they've got the best chance for the league this season they certainly have a Champions League uh you know pr- pretty much 
you know, they're going to go to the quarters if, if they do mm. well in this round. And then, I mean, that's part of it. I mean, I get, was that was remit was, do you think, when he came in at Bayern, not to, you know, have a dynasty, but to sort of go in, lay some foundations. And I think there was always, a, there was always this question over whether he was a true Bayern man. I think some people mm. kind of questioned whether it was a relationship more of convenience than a relationship of passion between the two of them. And, you know, I, I imagine that there's more to it. You know, Raphael Honigstein has written about the man extensively and a lot of people have written about Pep. Um, and what I'm interested in is where he wants to go next and what he wants to do next, because arguably the next club that he goes to is not going to have the same basis well, uh, that he's had before. It's interesting that uh, one of the theories floating around about Guardiola is that obviously the clubs he's being linked with now are mainly Premier League clubs. We're talking about Manchester United and Manchester City uh, most significantly. I've heard talk that essentially Guardiola sees Manchester City as a very exciting project for, for obvious reasons, but also Manchester United because it's a chance to almost prove himself. It's not a club where all the pieces are in place where there are already world-class players there. I mean, you know, when he obviously joined Bayern Munich, they just come off the back of the, the treble, was it? Uh, you know, but Barcelona, one of the greatest teams in a generation, all coming through together at that club. What do you make of that, Dave, that maybe Manchester United are not quite at that, that level and he sees it as a chance to prove, okay, I can go into a club, make it in my own image from top to bottom, bring a team up from, from not the, the very zenith of the game. What do you make of that? It will be interesting. It'll be a longer than a three-year project at Manchester United. I can tell you that. It's an absolute mess at the moment. Where's the club going? There's loads of questions. Um, the style of play that we've got under under LVG just doesn't look like the players can you know, replicate what he wants on the pitch and are not taking their chances and so forth. But you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of Guardiola. And I've, I've done a lot of reading into him. And, and what he sort of has mentioned in his two, or two books that I've read is that he likes clubs with tradition. And, and that I just hope as a United fan, that that's why he'll go to Man United. You know, he's always wanted to. He's always spoken to Fergie about managing the club and so forth after Ferguson left. So I just hope mm. that he sticks with that. But for me, the project at Man City is the right one for him. You know, really? the players. The players are training. Dave, come on. Adam, when are you going to go They're training the, the uh, they're training the way that Guardiola wants players to play football in terms of you know your Rondons at a youth level is is the key key focus. Think, things seem set up in a way. Not only uh, as you say that that youth level that's there, but also there's been a lot of talk about uh, the directors who are in there. I think is it Ferren Soriano. And is it, how do you pronounce his name? It's like T-X-I-K-I. Cheeky? Cheeky Bergenstein? Is it cheeky? Bergenstein. Yeah, but Bergen. bringing those guys in, he obviously worked with Barcelona. The, the pieces are very much in place for Guardiola to go there. I don't know if I 100% agree. I don't, I don't know if I 100% agree. I think it's just there. You know, the likes of David Silva, obviously a very um, Guardiola-esque player. Uh, the, uh, sorry, Guardiola wanted De Bruyne at Bayern Munich as well last season. It just feels like it's kind of coming the right for Man City right now. It's like the right way. You know, Yaya Torre probably will be moved on, would you say? You know, he's not had the best yeah. of seasons. So you, do you think it's actually the, the better choice for Guardiola with Manchester yes. City? You think? That's, what, that's Lawrence, what I would Lawrence, say. Right what do now. you think? Well, I think he's obviously courting a lot of top offers and he's, he's one of those managers where you, at the moment, uh, you'd imagine that whatever he chooses to go with is going to be the right option. Um, you'd hope for him, at least, in his career in the club that he goes to. But what I would say about it is that Every club that he's gone to in the past, Lou van Gaal's been there a few years before. Uh, and obviously they both come from the Barcelona camp, whereas Man City, whilst they're looking maybe to ape or mimic some of what Barcelona are doing, aren't taking the same Barcelona approach. And I, I just wonder if, I don't know, I just wonder if 
therefore Manchester United is a better way to go. Or maybe an Arsenal is the better way to go. I, Do you think I, it's- I, I think there's more to it. And I, I think we're very mm. high on Man City at times. Uh, what about, let me throw a left field one out there. What about um, Arsenal or Chelsea? Is another one I've seen mentioned. Obviously less likely. They did um, say London was preferable for him. Yeah, that, that's what they're saying. For, for him and his family, perhaps London would be more suited to him. Arsene Wenger maybe going out on a high this season, lifting that Premier League trophy. <laughs> Guardiola comes in. I mean, Dave, can you, can you see that happening? I think that, again, in terms of the current squad, what, which um, Premier League sort of fits Guardiola, obviously I, I think City because of the youth and so forth, but current squad, Arsenal is the you know, Arsenal squad is the squad that you've got that. You've got like brilliant ball players in there, Santi Cazorla, you know, young Coquelin, you know, Ramsey, Sanchez. It's, it sort of fits, a bit, fits quite right with Guardiola, some of these players, but I just, I just can't, I can't see it at Arsenal. I think Wenger's going to be there for another two seasons. He deserves <laughs> to be there for another two seasons. He deserves to have you know, two more big signings and then see if he can go and win the Champions League, go and see if he can win the Premier let me, League. Let me throw I do it. think the English culture is going to be an interesting challenge for Guardiola because, you know, obviously German and, uh, Germany and uh, Spain are very different cultures. There's Germanic, there's, the, you know, the other influences that Spain have got. But then there's also the idea that um, they were two big institutions who were somewhat exceptional. And I don't feel like uh, Man City is such an exceptional place apart from what they've essentially cultivated in a very short space of time. Interesting. Let me, let me throw, let me throw one more at you. You're talking about uh, a team of uh, uh, cultivated, uh, a team in a short amount of time. What about Chelsea? <laughs> now Mourinho, that would, that would may be well be in the job until the, he may well be in the job until the end of the season, Mourinho, but you know, he, he may well be gone in the summer. Roman Abramovich is a known admirer of Pep Guardiola. He tried to lure Guardiola to Stamford Bridge before he ended up choosing Bayern Munich back in 2013. He sort of, you know, made all the overtures. Uh, I think uh, Raphael Honigstein himself sort of said Abramovich was trying to put the pieces in place in terms of players and, and, and infrastructure to attract Guardiola. It didn't work out, obviously. And Mourinho uh, inherited that team. But maybe he could try and lure Guardiola next time. Again, it's quite a good fit. I think that the playing style, similar to the Arsenal thing, is quite a good fit. You know, the likes of Pedro in there, Eden Hazard. I think they got. They just need to work on obviously their centre halves and that type of thing. They need to have to move them on and get some real ball players in there. I think at central midfield as well. You know, looking at likes of Matic would probably fit quite nicely. Fabregas has played with Guardiola before, and they've had their not differences, but they've sort of. Um, it's been mentioned that Fabregas can't stick with a tactical plan. He's quite a a player that sort of desires freedom and, and tries to get out the tactical shape and so forth. But the interesting thing, I was actually watching Chelsea under-19s last week. I know, very, very niche, three o'clock in the middle of the day in the um, UEFA um, Youth Is there League. any football you don't watch, Dave? Uh, potentially. I don't really watch <laughs> enough in England. I think I need to watch more like championship games because I lack knowledge in those. But going back to this uh, this sort of youth side, they're playing with um, playing a 3-4-2-1, a very continental system and they were getting the ball down. They were playing with it and if if uh, Abramovich has sort of pushed this through in the club where they want to play, they sort of, I think they, they naturally they do play 4-3-3 in the, throughout the whole youth setting of Chelsea. So if it is going the right way in terms of getting, getting Guardiola in there, they're kind of doing the right thing similar to Man City in a way where they are developing their youth to play this certain style maybe. I, well, I, I feel like Mourinho also comes from a similar background though. I mean, you know, he, mm. he's always like 4-3-3, you know, he's adapted it, but I still feel like there's a lot of, there's a lot of Barcelona in both of them. It's just that maybe Mourinho is a different kind of Barcelona. I think it's going to be fast. It's, it's true. I mean, it is, though. It's, it's true, though, isn't it? He's, he's somewhat of an outsider, whereas Pep is always the, you know, the man at the centre of it all, but in a different way. It's fascinating how he is almost... Uh, 
he's like almost like the only manager now. Do you know what I mean? Like all these clubs we're talking about, these top clubs, Pep Guardiola is the option now. Jurgen Klopp's gone to Liverpool, obviously. He was probably the, the, the only manager below that. Carlo Ancelotti, potentially. But Pep Guardiola is just that manager that every single club would love to have uh, take over, it feels like. I don't know if every club would like. I mean, I'm not sure how much I'd like Pep at Liverpool or how much I'd like him uh, at certain, because I feel like he go he'll go with certain clubs. I don't know if he'll go with every club. I think that's what mm. I worry about a little bit with Manchester United is that you know, are they looking for the next Sir Alex, or is actually you know was there a lot of good things? Were there a lot of good things that I they should be another- continuing? Another thing that needs to be sort of switched on a little bit with United fans, we've seen the, the social media really blow up lately. Um, and I think the, the blame's been shoved down LVG's throat, but you've got to look elsewhere. And I feel that with Guardiola coming in, yes, it will be a completely different style of play to uh, Ferguson, but it will be a very, very, very good style of play. Like when, it, when Guardiola gets his team playing how he wants them, getting men in between the lines, attacking, you know, you, you see some, some of these Bayern Munich performances we've seen over the last, you know, two years, the five nils, the seven ones in the Champions League have just been phenomenal, like real phenomenal football. I think that's, it's very much different for the Alex Ferguson, um, you sort of hold it in midfield and get it wide and have your wingers attack. It's a, it's a different style to that. And I think the United fans as a whole, whichever way we go, we've got to be a little bit more open to different styles of play. Mm. Finally, I'm Guardiola, just to bring it back round, Lawrence, mm. do you think it's the right time for him to leave Bayern Munich? And do you think he's, obviously a lot depends on what happens this season um, and specifically what happens in the Champions League. But how, how do you think he's going to be viewed once he does yeah. What's his legacy going to be at the club? Well, his legacy is, is uh, a mixture of culture with uh, what was already there. I think an appreciation of that from the board level and how they've always backed him to do that. Um, you know, obviously moving closer to the, the sponsors that he's really close with Adidas and those kind of guys. I think it's probably been really beneficial for his overall um, image publicly I think obviously he's managed two of the, the best clubs and most you know the clubs at the Zenith essentially in Europe and then not only that but he kind of has this reputation of building clubs up and then other managers take over and they do well so I think you know there's that kind of inertia idea for other clubs when manager leaves whereas actually it's a case of momentum with Pep mm. when he leaves so you know there's, there's that I also think when you have two things at a peak of their powers it's not necessarily the worst when the two come apart and it doesn't have to be you know, because uh, as I said earlier, Germany you know, came in. Uh, Bayern Munich wanted to install Pep Guardiola before uh, Jupp Henkers left, and it was all a bit controversial. It was all a bit confusing because Jupp Henkers was sort of making these statements that you know, oh, he, he was supposed to be leaving, but it was kind of like you know, he he was insinuating that he felt a little bit proud that Guardiola had been hired um, while he, while he was still manager of the club. Henkers goes on to win the, the treble. Guardiola obviously comes in, uh, the most highly rated manager in the world, as he still is. Mm. But it's, those failures in the Champions League and the, the way they were beaten in the Champions League has somewhat, it certainly hasn't tarnished his reputation, but it has been somewhat of a, a blemish on his time in Germany because people perceive the Bundesliga to be almost a walkover for, for a team as powerful as Bayern Munich. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I can't, I think there's a lot of politics, like I said, there's politics and there's resistance at the club somewhat. And that's that's the resistance that we find. So in the Champions League, Dave, Bayern have been drawn against Juventus. You'd say, that's a, you'd, you'd say it's a favourable draw for Bayern. You'd put your money on them to go through. It's not going to be a walkover by any means. But who would you favour in that time? Um, it's going to be a really interesting game. Juventus have started to hit a bit of form. The Barla's finally um, playing like he sort of did at Palermo in the first half of last season. 
They've switched to a 3-5-2. It'll be really interesting, but I really do think Bayern are just going to absolutely blow them away. I feel like it might be tight in the, the first leg, you know, way in Turin, but I think Bayern have got too much firepower to to sort of deal with uh, Juventus. You know, the, the Juventus machine is getting mm. a little bit older in some of the parts. The likes of Pirlo have gone on and they, they are beatable. It depends what Paul Pogba's going to turn up. You know, if, a, if a Pogba that fancies it turns up, bangs in a goal from 20 yards, you can see Juventus sitting on the counter-attack like they did against Man City, playing away. But I just do this Bayern team. It's got so much depth with Robin back, with Lewandowski absolutely banging goals in. Yeah. Thiago should be back as well by that time. I think Thiago's a really key component to this Bayern Munich team in Europe. You know, holds the ball very well, retains possession, creates chances. So I think if he can get, get him fit with, with the likes mm. of Lewandowski and Robin, they're, they're very dangerous side. Before we come on to the English teams, then let's just quickly run through the other uh, fixtures in the Champions League. Uh, we've got Roma, Real Madrid. Lawrence, um, mm-hmm. do you probably favour Real Madrid for that one, sure. I favour Real Madrid. I think mm. uh, there, there have been rumours today that one more slip-up and Rafa's gone. I, again, I think that's ridiculous, but it is what it is. So, I, yeah, stupid. The way they're treating him, I think, is awful. Uh, and, you know, I think it's a complete lack of respect for a manager who is, uh, frankly, I think, probably better than the job wow. that Real Madrid offer him. Wow. <laughs> okay, I, think Real Madrid, Real Madrid, I, I think Real Madrid are a, a bad... I was surprised he took the job, to be honest. I was very surprised Rafa Benitez took that I job. I wasn't. He's a Madridista. I think he really loves uh, He loves the idea of going back. And I think a, it was, of course, yeah. Maybe there is that emotional tie, which maybe yeah. overruled the, the logical thought, which is it's a poison chalice and almost impossible club to manage. Um, but they'll, 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 you'd favour them to get through to the next round, certainly. You'd hope so. Things seem to be, things seem to be a little bit smoother there. Dave, talk to me about Ghent and Wolfsburg. Wolfsburg have obviously well, knocked out Manchester United, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> these, these two teams have never met in the Champions League. Ghent uh, through to the um, court, sorry, the quarterfinals, the last 16 for the first time in their history. Wolfsburg are going to be an unknown package. You'd definitely favour them in this tie. Uh, you know, the likes of Julian Draxler and Max Cruz are starting to really combine up front well with Andre Schurl off the left. It's, it's looking good for Wolfsburg for me. I feel they're going to be a quantity that one of the big boys might struggle against in a way. If they, you know, they'll get through this round and then it'll be the next Surprise one. So. package. What about um, yeah. Benfica Zenit, Dave? Uh, again, I'd say Zenit are my other surprise package in this Champions League. They've just been very solid away. You know, very solid at home. They had a pretty toughish group for them in a way with the Leon in there, but Leon have struggled this year. And uh, Ben, I'm sorry, Valencia was it? Yeah, um, but it's. Mm-hmm. It, I reckon it's, it's going to be a walk in the park. You've got Hulk, who is in absolutely banging form. And then Zubar up front, who's, the, who's been directly involved in uh, nine goals in the Champions League this season. Only Ronaldo has been involved in more goals. So they've got some real threat this season, Zenit. And going away in Russia, cold in February. Very difficult to play. <laughs> and that's, it's a big thing. We, we always laugh about it. But <laughs> if we looked at the Ukrainian-Russian teams in the Champions League or in the Europa League more, going to have some good records for the home games. The other fixture before we get to English teams, the final one is PSV versus Atletico de Madrid. Um, what are you think? Not of that sure one? you've said those words right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I said it in like a weird Dutch Spanish accent. I just right, yeah. went I thought when I first came in. <laughs> yeah, in the Champions League. Uh, yeah. Lawrence, your thoughts on that one? Uh, I mean, tasty because of the oh, way that both tasty. both clubs sit. Uh, I'm, I think Atletico Madrid have a somewhat of a slept-on team. Uh, yeah. after the, the huge rise to power that, that we saw and you know how aggressively they challenged Barcelona around Madrid. I think now, again, after what most people are saying is another summer sale, they're bringing through more players and we're seeing the, the benefits of having a manager like Simeone who's able to you know, see, where, see how players slot together, 
but also making other players peak at the right time. I, I think that's, some, that's very often something that's overlooked, especially when we look at the modern-day teams which are built as, he, as a machine, how he's changed parts in and out and managed to change things around mm. and uh, mentally prepare the players in the right way. The worry, again, is that you know, Atletico, over the course of a tournament... Are they going to have enough? And that, I think that's part of it. And, you know, I, I don't think they will, but I think they'll come past PSV. Let's go on to the English fixtures then. The toughest draw possible for Arsenal, Dave. Barcelona, the one team they wanted to avoid. <laughs> Everyone's so happy. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> again. Like, Brilliant. Apparently the Barcelona players were... <laughs> now, this is just a report, of course, but apparently the Barcelona players were cheering when they heard this. They were on a plane at the time and <laughs> they, they, they cheered, good. apparently. Yeah. That's well, we don't know why they cheered. Maybe they cheered because they wanted a tricky time. Yes, yes, of course. <laughs> um, but Dave, I mean, the, the talk straight after the draw was that, you know, we, we were doing the, Lord, uh, the draw live, weren't we, on, on the Football Republic yep. and all the talk was Arsenal basically out. It was almost like a foregone conclusion. Yeah, yeah. This is the this is Barcelona team is phenomenal. But you know, you see at the weekend, Deportivo La Coruña came from two goals down to get a draw um, with Barcelona. So they are beatable, but I just I can't see it at all. I think this Arsenal team is getting there. It's getting to become a, a sort of world force with the signings at Zeal, Sanchez. They just need to keep continuing in that vein, and I think they'll be all right. I just think there's there's too much in this side. Messi, um, Messi, 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 Neymar, and Suarez, unbelievable. Iniesta back to his peak. Busquets. PK is looking like he's playing a man possessed. He looks really aggressive and angry again. So I just, I just can't see it. It's, what, what about, it's, you know, January's obviously coming up. I mean, there's talk oh, of yeah. Fenger's going to make a few signings, maybe that midfield signing finally uh, to sort of uh, replace Coquelin, who's obviously injured. They're, they're, they're on good form, Arsenal. They're looking good, uh, as they always do in this, uh, in this period. But, I mean, Lawrence, would you, would you give them any sort of chance at all? Absolutely. They... Absolutely. Yeah, I, yeah I, I, I don't see... I don't think uh, Barcelona are necessarily the un, uh, unbeatable side. I mean, we saw them draw at the weekend. We saw why they drew. Um, we saw that. Uh, we, we also saw that obviously they, they were not having the best day at the, uh, at the office there. And on the weekend, they did manage to you know miss a lot of chances. But it's also about disrupting what Barcelona are trying to put together. And I think Arsenal have um, shown in the past they have the ability to disrupt other teams in their flow and essentially bring their own game through. There's a reason that they beat Bayern Munich and there's a reason that Barcelona have drawn against certain people. And all you need is a win and a draw. It's not about, you know, you can, you can also have a win and a loss, bear in mind. Mm. So if, 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 if it plays into one team's hands more than another, then you know, there's no reason why Arsenal uh, can't get past them. Look at the, what they did to the likes of Munich. The first leg is at home. Maybe that's the issue. Yes. That, but if, you know, if they... If they if you keep that if you keep that tight you can always go away and nick a goal you can always nick a goal I mean, I, mean, yeah, but I, I don't no. think that, I don't think that's impossible <laughs> I mean they, they've you got never know of players. I, I mean I see this sort of being it's one of those things where if a goal goes in early the commentary almost sounds resigned it sort of goes 1-0 and it's like oh and they're away and suddenly this, Barcelona how, when was it a few years ago when they when they actually beat them at home uh, yeah. it was our Shavin scoring I think we were going back a little bit but um, it, it can be done but you never, you just never there's going to be players returning from injuries yes. they've got all sorts of yes. talented oh, people maybe I'm not, sorry, I'll, I'll you're not, you're not, you've not sold it for me sorry lads you've not right. sold it for me what I'm going to go down the bookies and put a tenner on it <laughs> Arsenal to win uh, sorry by, uh, by Ooh, Dave you're really careful in the bookies you know if you're, if you're just throwing money around like that Dave oh, no, yeah. that's unhealthy what about <laughs> Arsenal to win oh shit no this again fine 20 quid 20 quid on Barcelona to lose oh shit oh no how about Paris? Paris Saint 
Future Man. Saint, yeah, I'm you're just, really good with names tonight. Yeah, I did that one on purpose. Paris Saint-Germain, uh, <laughs> Dave, against Chelsea. Oh, yeah. Another difficult draw. Things could turn around for Mourinho and Chelsea before, before uh, February. We don't know. But who's your money on at this moment? Bear in mind, we are two months away from this game. Well, right now, if they play tomorrow, it's, all, it's definitely going to be PSG, right? You know, Leicester mm. City took them, took them apart on Monday. Um, I think PSG are in form. They just smashed Leon 5-1. As Latan looks like he fancies it. Di Maria again. Are they eight? Are they eighteen points clear at the top of the, the French league? Something 16? crazy. Yeah. It's absolutely crazy. Like that. It's it's nuts. You know, the, I thought Lyon would be fighting for the league again, but it just seems like PSG have, have taken it to the next level. You'd say that Lyon have, have lost a number of sort of players, and Titi's been out, and mm. they lost a. But Dave, there's going to be a lot of people who don't watch PSG right now, um, and you know, don't don't necessarily know a lot about. Them. They know a lot about the big names. What style of football would you say is that PSG play? If I'm going to be honest, I'd say it was quite boring. Yeah, like, that's, but, that's my problem. A lot. Like they just keep, they, ret- they retain, pos- they basically they have possession for possession's sake. They, they're not very quick. The tempos, again, going back to, I've said it probably a year ago or so, that they're quite Italian. They feel quite Italian to me. They feel like an Italian team playing in, in Ligue 1 where they're quite slow with their build-up. They'll wait and then they'll kill you. They'll kill you an instant and then they'll go back to just playing sort of chilled out, football in a way you know playing the ball around the back and then they'll maybe attack a bit more and then they'll it's it's not quite my favorite style I'd say uh, but it's doing a good job right and Chelsea are struggling at the moment but this could be the perfect tie for them you know playing on the break playing on the counter-attack if they can get some of these big boys back to scoring goals or Mourinho does get sacked then they'll have a they'll have a half decent chance what they basically do is they play cautious football but with mercurial players yeah it's weird it's it's weird to watch because there's something that's for me there's there's almost nothing scintillating about it because you're sort yep. of like okay we'll see a great moment and it, it almost becomes a bit like watching like the uh, Harlem Globetrotters or something because yeah. it's a bit like oh they'll do something good in a minute and it almost feels a bit assumed and I, I don't know that's why I'd rather see Chelsea go through here interesting and well, I, I you know it's not beyond the the realms of possibility of course not um, what about Dynamo Kiev versus Manchester City uh, Manchester City fans were very happy with this one uh, Dave they were yeah um, it's interesting Kiev have got their um, in the home leg Kiev are allowed to have no fans at the ground for incidents of racism against Chelsea so that's going to be a massive factor taken away you know very intimidating to go to play away at Dynamo Kiev so City should win this this is, a, this is where City could finally kick on and become uh, a European superpower properly in a way where they wow They've sort of done it. They've they flirted around with the idea. They keep coming second in the group. Now they they came top of the group thanks to Sevilla. Obviously, mm. a massive result there in Sevilla to keep put them into the Europa League. But last season in the Champions League, Manchester City had the highest average age for their squad in the last sixteen, I think. So that's quite a positive thing in a way where you do see teams that could just correlate with their age. The older teams get the more experience. We saw that AC Milan team last for years and years in Europe fighting out. Um, you know, for the two finals in a row, obviously one, one, lost one. So it's really time for the likes of Yaya Torre, who's getting towards the end of his career. Vincent Company, if they can get him fit, that is so, so crucial for the city side. We've seen that Otamende and uh, Mangala look like headless chickens when they don't play with Yaya, not Yaya, sorry, they don't play with Vincent Company. So mm. it's key to get him back, key to get Aguero back, and they'll, they, you know, they, they've got the potential. Interesting. 
Very interesting. Now we move on to the real competition, guys. The real deal. Yeah. Uh, the Europa League. All of our teams are still in that one. Uh, luckily enough. Although there's a reason that a lot of our teams are still in that one. And then, uh, then there's a reason that some of our teams probably won't get into it if, if the teams don't do well. Yes, there uh, is. <laughs> although ever, everyone's going on about the Italian coefficient. Not, not enough people know about it. There's actually really good Gab Marcotti articles about maybe the unlikelihood of England dropping out in 2018-2017-18. Well, uh, I, uh, I actually saw that what could actually be very good for the coefficient is the fact that uh, Roma and Juventus are yeah. against Madrid and Bayern. And yeah, exactly. You know, it's, but then there's also <laughs> Yeah, but then I guess there are also other aspects, uh, such as like, the Europa League. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Manchester United first off, Dave, um, up against. <laughs> let's mispronounce this one. Midgetland. The mighty Midgetland. Yes. Um, how? <laughs> it's not that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Uh, Dave, how are you feeling about this one? Um, quietly confident, but then this Man United team this season has thrown away a load of comfortable positions. So set it should pieces, be pieces. I've heard that's where. Yeah, that, they're dangerous. They're dangerous on the set piece. They've they've a club based on analytics, club based on data. So they do a lot of um, you know set. They've scored a scored a hell of a lot of goals from last season. It was a massive percentage of their goals um, in the Danish league. They won the league last season. Came from set pieces. So something United to be wary of. United have struggled from set pieces in the last two games. Two goal. Two goals coming. For Bournemouth, uh, one of them very fortuitous. And then against Wolfsburg, two again from set pieces. So if United want to progress, they've got to be smart at set pieces. They need Chris Smalling back. They need his leadership. Um, And I think they need that the forwards just need to start clicking. And they could do well. I really feel this is a competition that United should go for. It's just one of those things where I like the Europa League. Everyone hates it. I like it. It's a good competition. Why? Because you win it. You win a trophy at the end, right? Yeah. A European trophy. And hard. I mean, it's hard. There's a lot of respect for that, though, isn't it? Because it's sort of this arduous, long competition. Yeah. It's, it's, just, it's just one of those things that it's, a, I wouldn't mind it's got such I'm, history. I'm up for the exactly. Europa League. I'm, I'm well up for it. But we've got a tough team. Tottenham have got a tough team, Dave. Give me a little bit of a scouting info on Fiorentina. So Fiorentina, Paolo Sosa is the manager at the moment, ex-QPR. Um, he has. He's, he was in um, Israel, won the Israeli league. Then he went to Basel in Switzerland, won the Swiss league. Fiorentina play a nice style of football. It's very attractive. They've. Um, I think they've got the second highest possession uh, in Europe's top five leagues in terms of how they play. They're very Guardiola-esque, short passing, three at the back, four in midfield, three up front. Uh, you've got Nico Cranchal, their top scorer this season, ex-Blackburn Rovers. He's been in pretty blistering form in, in the last two years. Obviously, got to the final last season with Dinipro, so he knows the Europa League. Nico Cranchal, uh, mate. Yeah, Nico Cranchard. And then you've got uh, Borja Valero, ex-West Brom, who is a fantastic player. He's been brilliant in the Serie A for the last few seasons. I He's been running the show as well. So it's going to be a tough test for Tottenham. It's going to be tough for Pochettino. And his pressing style will go. It'll make for an absolutely fantastic game, in my opinion. Now, tough test for Tottenham. Nico Cranchard used to play for Tottenham and was an attacking midfielder. The guy sorry. I think you're thinking of is Nicolo Kalinic. Kalinic. Kalinic, sorry. I was like, hang about. Terrible. He's terrible. If you want to, you know. Close. Uh, yeah, Kalinic. Close, close right, Kalinic is the man that we're, yes, we're, he's we're the looking man. out for. It. Okay, excellent. Very interesting. Okay. Um, I am a little bit scared of uh, Fiorentina. <laughs> I I'm, I'm I, I basically think we're going to get knocked out now. I'm, I'm, uh, uh, my hopes are not high. I think uh, the game against Newcastle has got me a little bit worried. Why? Because uh, because I've been saying to Dave, no, I was sort of, sort of uh, saying to Dave, people are sort of saying Tottenham title challenges, Tottenham this, Tottenham that, and I was kind of like, well, we have actually got a massive <laughs> squad, and if one of them gets injured, you know, then we're a little bit in trouble. As soon as you know, Moussa Dembélé is missing for a few weeks, 
against Newcastle, our midfield was so lightweight. Lot and I'm worried that you. when these fixtures roll around, if we've got a few more injuries, uh, if we don't strengthen in January, I'm a little bit worried. But... Lawrence, didn't you write a paper on Tottenham and, and their issues with getting to certain stages? And was it was it, it called was mentality? Thesis. I think it was, it was a, thesis. It was a thesis. It was called the thesis on. Uh, on on weak mentality, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it is weak mentality. Yes. I mean, I think I think every club's going to go. Um, I think Pochettino's done a fantastic job of uh, revitalising Tottenham. I don't know if it's revitalised. I, I think of vitalising mm. Tottenham and putting a vitality in them. And uh, you know, I, I really respect that. I do also think that that long unbeaten run that people were talking about in the Premier League uh, had a lot of draws in. And you know, yeah, when a draws not a Draws not a win, but it's also not a loss. Uh, <laughs> That's Michael, so, Michael Owen-esque levels of No, no, but you know what I'm saying by that. Yes, what yes, I'm, so what I'm in, insinuating by that is uh, that uh, you know, Spurs essentially had a very long run where people were going, look how fantastic it is, look at the great football. But mm. I'm saying how much end product was there. Yeah. Um, and then when it comes to a knockout competition, you have to change up a little bit. And I wonder... You know, when it comes to actually winning, where where does Spurs get that? I mean, this here's the corner flag. Um, does anyone else? Did anyone else see that the other day? Speaking what? of Michael Owen-esque, comp- uh, it was oh, actually Redknapp-esque yeah. uh, analysis. I felt a little bit sorry for him because actually that was taken out of context. He was pointing out that it was not windy. Uh, right. Or Windy, where he's taking the corner from, what and people the, took it completely out of context. What and about went, the clip that's all over Twitter where he's like, Joe Hart here is holding up four fingers? That's because <laughs> he wants four people in the wall. But, but I, I also. Anyway, we've got off track. I think, <laughs> yeah, I think partly when you ask someone to analyse the minutiae, then you're going to have Ooh. obvious statements. And I think sometimes, I mean, I understand where he's coming from on this. Is he's not misusing mm. his language, he's it's true what he's saying. So I feel a little bit sorry for him. A draw, because a draw I think a lot a win, of people Lawrence. assume he's going to do good. It, they would do better. A draw's not a win, Lawrence, but it's not a loss either. Is what I'm <laughs> but what I'm saying is that actually means something, Adam, because I had tone in my voice. It does. And I'm not a robot. Uh, what about uh, Liverpool, Lawrence, your team, obviously? Well, they, 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 they actually just draw. Owlsburg. Yeah. Uh, Bundesliga. Oh, they're going to know Klopp. Klopp's going to know them, etc., etc. Um, and I, d- I don't know. I don't know enough about the form of Augsburg or how well they mm. play. What I do know is that Liverpool are a club uh, again who have changed under a manager recently who's brought in a different kind of pressing and a mentality very quickly. Um, away from home, Liverpool have looked fantastic. We're going to see again this weekend where the Liverpool um... ready to pop the question. The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. 
will be tested by a, a Watford team where Liverpool go away, but essentially Watford will end up playing like the away side. So what happens then when that, that happens? What's the dynamic like then? Um, and then second to that, we're also going to see uh, how Liverpool do with the likes of Daniel Sturridge returning in January. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing how that looks. Interesting stuff. I mean, it, it's a long way off, isn't it? I mean, we yes, it's hard to analyze where it's going. So the future. What pulling, you know, um, the uh, pulling a prediction out of your <clears throat> air, who which team is going to go furthest? English team is going to go furthest in A, the Champions League, and B, Europa League. So, Champions League, are we all agree in Manchester City, probably going to go the furthest. Yes. And Europa League, are we thinking United, Tottenham, or Liverpool? I'm tempted to say. I'm tempted to go. I'm tempted to say Manchester United for some reason. Really? Yeah. I'm kind of thinking about maybe Liverpool more. Maybe he's maybe Liverpool. Klopp. Uh, yeah, right. I'm going to go Liverpool. No, I'm going to go Tottenham. Fuck right. it. <laughs> Fuck it. I think, yeah, we'll see what happens. A long way off, as you say. Things could change for February. Tottenham could be back, you know, back on another unbeaten run. We can go on another one and we'll be fine. And we'll go further than you lot. So... Oh, that's bloody banter for you, isn't it? Mate. Oh, that's great. Let's put a five on it, mate. That's what I said. All right. Didn't we put a five on something else the other week? Well, you said we'll be shit when we're shit as you. Didn't we just put a five on something the other week? Yeah, and I actually, I think, I, was I right? I can't remember what it was now. It was that Chelsea would go through in the Champions League. Oh, fuck. And was it? I thought I bet Man United were going out. Tweet us, let us know. Yeah, uh, because listen, we don't we don't remember what happened yesterday, let alone last week. I think uh, I'm right, and I think you owe me a fiver because someone tweeted me earlier in the week and said you owe Lawrence five pounds. Um, oh, sweet, but wow. yeah, what thanks, they, Adam. What, what are they know? Um, before we get on to the uh, talking drink for point, everyone. Before we get on to the talking <laughs> point this week with Rory Jennings, the guest from the Chelsea Fans Channel. Um, other news that's sort of been doing the rounds this week uh, we'll, we'll quickly try and get through um, first off Dave talk to me about this FC Twente have been banned from Europe what is going on? Yeah so I think they've, they've been caught um, breaking the third party player ownership um, and we actually had a fella that called up on uh, the Football Republic right that was a FC Twente fan that was telling us that, um, that they had some players from a certain institution uh, that does invest money into players in Europe and FC20 were still had these players after the ruling had changed. Well, it's it's just going to it's pretty bad for the, the, the that fan especially was a bit upset about it and now it's sort of going through. FC20 might actually go out of business if if sort of you know if this goes wrong for them in a way. So it's one of those things where you don't really want to be in, in third party ownership at the moment in the in the world. We all know that it's a, it's a bad thing for me. It's a little bit like people trafficking. They got caught doing it and now they've been banned. So. In a way, FIFA or the you know the Royal Netherlands Football Association have done the right thing in, in sort of um, throwing them out of the tournament. The, the issue that you have there is that it, if they have someone that's investing money into their players, who is deciding what's going on at the club? That's the big issue there. That you, it's a conflict of interest in a way where you are, you own some players in a club, you could sort of say what their policy is. You know how are they going to play in the league and so forth. It's just one of those things that we need to remove from the game. But it's, it's good that it's sort of going the right way. Well, other interesting news this week, Lawrence. Um, Seth Blatter has come out. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's banned, so I'm not quite sure why he's uh, talking about football when he's suspended from all football activities. I mean, yeah. I believe. Okay, sorry, I've just um, got two guys just shouting. Yeah. yeah, I mean. Yeah. No, go on. Uh, <laughs> it is what it is. He's having a full on conference right um, next to me. Go on. So he's come out and confirmed that Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid 
are being investigated for the same transfer irregularities, yeah. which led to Barcelona's ban. Yeah, uh, uh, from the transfer market. Yeah, uh, they were obviously banned for signing uh, players to transfer windows after apparently breaking rules concerning the purchase of players under the age of eighteen. Mm. Now I'm not quite sure why Blatter's confirming this news, but he said that you know the same because thing. he's still trying to remain relevant. Uh, yes, and, and he's trying. He's trying to fight because that's his problem as well. He's outside the sphere. He can still talk about politics, or he can talk about law, or any of these other things. Um, I don't understand why they need to have such a loud conversation near me. Um, it's <laughs> It's despite uh, you, mainly. I think. Genuinely, genuinely mm. one of the loudest conversations I mean, yeah, of at least over 10 feet. Um, <laughs> and, and so uh, he's still trying to rem- rem- remain relevant, talking about things he can still talk about. Um, and obviously he's got bigger fish, to, uh, he's got bigger fish to fry in the sense that he's not okay, allowed to fry fish right now. Um, basically the news here is nothing to do with Blatter. Uh, it's to do with the fact that, you know, uh, again, Dave was just talking about the illegal trafficking of players. Mm. It's not that serious. Uh, Whilst it's very serious, it's about young people uh, being put in the wrong direction in the game and essentially people trying to lock them down uh, and, you know, people being desperate, basically, to get young talent um, and not doing it in the right way. Uh, And maybe some clubs being ignorant to certain ways of getting young talent. Also, some people believe in their above the law. Mm. It doesn't surprise me they're big clubs that are being investigated for this. I won't be surprised if it was similar in England, although it doesn't surprise me that Barcelona and Real Madrid are both implicated. Could be pretty bad news, considering Real Madrid like to sign a a big Galactica every summer. You know, Eden Hazard or or Lewandowski next summer. Maybe a good time for them to consider their policies and whether they're actually doing the right thing. I also, I, I was initially enjoyed um, the use of this support your team hashtag, um, which ended up just being a really sick hashtag, but UEFA just having no idea about marketing. Yes, that was um, amazing. Uh, and it, whilst it started out amusing, it turned into a very perverted hashtag. Um, but also, it, you know, it was funny in the beginning. Uh, so again, UEFA not having a fantastic week. And what we do forget is this is a, a, a huge organisation in crisis and they are still trying to organise. Essentially, it's like, you know, having a massive divorce, but at the same time trying to organise uh, the party to celebrate your anniversary. I just want to finish on a little bit of transfer news very quickly. So last... Right, it's week, almost January, isn't it? It is. So things are starting to gear up a little bit. Um, a couple of small things. So... Last week, for, uh, Manchester United knocked out of the Champions League. Was it Wednesday they were knocked out? Tuesday. Tuesday. Lo and behold, by the end of the week, there's an article. Uh, they've obviously, Ed Woodward perhaps, we, we don't know, anonymous sources, brief newspapers. Manchester United looking to sign Neymar, Bale and Ronaldo. One of the three they're working on deals for. I mean, it's funny that, that came out. Uh, the same week they're knocked out of the Champions League. Doesn't mean but, they're looking to sign. I mean, it doesn't really mean... Uh, I mean, every, I think big, every big club's interested, I'm sure. Position. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but what I thought was interesting in that article was basically it, it was positing that um, these deals are, you know, they potentially could come off. But the big players don't want to play in the Premier League anymore because they want to play in the Liga, where there's a higher chance of scoring, say, 20... 30, 40 goals a season. Wrong, if you're an elite wrong. Player, it, you're just wrong. Well, it's it's bollocks. I read the article. That's what I want you to say. That's what I want you to say, but I'm just coming on to that. They're essentially saying that <laughs> going to La Liga gives you a, a, a better chance to win the Ballon d'Or. It's a walkover in many ways. Uh, you can score shitloads of goals, win the Ballon d'Or, and everything's peachy. 
Yeah. Well, that, I thought that was probably the most interesting bit of the article for me because I was like, ah, did, is that true? Is that why elite players are attracted to Bar- Barcelona and Real Madrid? Over no, they're attracted to Barcelona and Real Madrid because they're huge institutions that uh, yes. for years and years have been amazing to play for and have been, you know, you can be part of a tradition. Hence the conversation we just had about Pep Guardiola. Mm. But also, uh, I, I think the article made some really good points that people are, there are people who are probably attracted towards that because it means more lucrative sponsorship deals. I think it takes a lot of the money side but removes a lot of the human side the article did in that sense. Um, uh, and, and so what I thought basically about the article was that's great, but we're basically overlooking uh, all the human side. And maybe the human side being that, you know, some people watched England when they were growing up. Um, all those kind of things or you know they, they want to play for an English team they want to go live in London they want to go live in Liverpool they want to mm. go live in Manchester so I think there's a lot more to it than just someone saying you know we can get a lucrative deal and I also think that that's not a permanent thing you know mm. these things change with time for a while it was not the trendiest thing to play for Real Madrid it was trendy to play for Manchester United so and the same in Italy those kind of things so it's not it's a short term wave it's not a long term fixture I'd like to see uh, Neymar or Bale or Ronaldo at the club, uh, Dave. Nah, see, not see that, mate. All I want Mares and Jamie Vardy. Well, that, later. that actually brings me on to the final bit. Anyways, I want to talk a little bit about Mares. Uh, Arsenal apparently linked with him uh, a January move. He said he's come out and said he's not leaving Leicester this uh, this January, this this window. As far as I know, am I right in saying he cost five hundred thousand pounds? Leicester. He was a cheap one, Mares. Mares, yes. Yes. How yeah, much do you reckon yeah. he's I think worth? It, I think now? it's actually. I think it might be four hundred. But yeah. Dave, how much do you reckon he's worth now? If Manchester United or say Arsenal were going to put don't a bid in January, this. so much, what? Don't ask it. But how much? Robbie Savage asked this. Put, put, no, put it no. this way: Robbie Savage yeah, said, "Robbie, yeah, I'd say twenty twenty one point two five million pounds." Um, Robbie Savage said this the other night during the commentary on Five Live. He went, "Oh well, you know, you want to keep them all in January. You wouldn't want to put values on them." Why are we even talking about them selling anyone in January? First question you asked on uh, Five Live Football phone in. How much do you love? Would you say Mares is worth? And I was like... I only say it because people in the office are having a debate. Some people are like, I don't even want Mares. Some people are saying, you know, I'd pay 20 million for him. And it seems a bit steep. But he he has been, well, apart from James Vardy, but arguably he has been the player of the season so far. I'd say he's he's had a better season than Vardy. Vardy has been banging the goals in, chat shit, one touch and then get banged. But... Mares is the heartbeat of this team. He's mm. the one that's, that's creating things. He's uh, taking players on. He's really pulling that the ability of Leicester City. He's taking them to the next level. I think without, I think a team with um, Vardy and not Mares would be a hell of a lot worse than a team mm. with Va- Mares in but not Vardy. If you see where I'm coming from. Yeah, interesting. Still very disappointed that people seem to think that this somehow because Nigel Pearson put this team together and Ranieri is working with a team that he over- took over. Uh, and also the backroom back staff, some of them are still remain from the Pearson era, that somehow Nigel Pearson therefore is responsible for the way that they're playing their football this season. If he was there, I'm, they'd be in this position right now. I'm, I'm no, mate, they'd, be even, they'd, be even more, they'd be even more points clear. <laughs> yeah. I'm, that's what I'm just saying. won the league already. Is that people seem to think that that's, that's the... Uh, that they're almost trying to... I don't know, they're trying to, give, they're trying to revive the name of Nigel. Right, let's move on to the in-depth talking point this week. Rory Jennings from the Chelsea Fan Channel joined us to talk all about Jose Mourinho, about the current situation at the club and what the future maybe holds at Stamford Bridge. So me and Lawrence are here with Rory Jennings from the Chelsea Fan Channel. Pleasure oh, yeah. to have you on. Oh, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be on. We're thank here, thank you. obviously, oh, thanks to you as yeah. well. <laughs> uh, we're obviously here to talk about Chelsea, of course. Um, things not going great this season. I mean, what's been your assessment of the, of the season so far? 
Well, it's definitely been it's been completely abysmal. It's been the worst uh, start to a season. No, it's not even the beginning anymore. It's been the worst season that I can remember now. I think it's definitely the worst and in the Roman era. Mm. And we are like, make no bones about it. Chelsea are now in a relegation scrap. You actually think that? Yes, I think that we are now. The table has taken shape. Leicester at the top, and they are within. They have a chance of winning the Premier League. And anybody <laughs> south of about fourteenth could go down. Chelsea very much in that club. What, so, as you say, they are, they're one point above the relegation zone at the moment. <laughs> We've talked a lot uh, in, in the last few weeks and months about what's been going wrong at Chelsea, but what do you think is the main factor? Because, for me... It, this is, I think you're asking the wrong question there, though. I think the question should be what combination of things is it? Yeah, I, obviously it's not a one lot, thing. Exactly. And, but a lot of people have, they put forward their argument and they but, go, it's Roman, or they yeah. go, oh, it's Jose. My, I'd say the main problem is Jose Mourinho. Am I wrong in saying that? I would say that you are wrong in saying that. I'd say he's a symptom, not a problem. Interesting. What, why are you saying I am wrong in saying that, Rory? I, th- I think Lawrence hit the nail on the head. It's a layered problem. There isn't, there isn't one answer. Because if mm. there was, I think the club would, would you know, find a solution. Mm. I think that the fact that it's been so long and we've been going on for such a long time now trying to get the right result and it's never happened proves how, how uh, you know, layered it is. And I think the fact that... Um, they haven't been able to come up with a solution proves that there's a real problem. I think that the, uh, the, the, the multitude of layers, Mourinho is a, is a factor, of course he is, mm. but the, you know, pl- underperforming players is also a huge issue. Um, our, our terrible pre-season is an issue. Dr Carnero is an issue. Um, it goes sure. on and on and on. But Dr um, Carnero, that, that is Jose Mourinho. The players, the manager's job is to... He, he doesn't seem to be able to motivate these players. There's a lot of talk, a classic cliche, losing the dressing room. But on that, that performance against Leicester was it was pretty bad. But in, in that, if we take that as a case study, it's very difficult for Mourinho in that in that situation because he couldn't possibly predict that players who have won everything would perform to such a low level. Mm. You know, we, we were talking about Eden Hazard. It's, it's what twelve months ago we were talking about Eden Hazard as being a potential Ballon d'Or winner. <laughs> right, yeah. Mourinho selected him. He can't do anything more once the players have crossed the white line. I mean, well, I mean, essentially, he, what he has to do as part of his job is prepare the players for when they cross the white line. Mm. It doesn't seem very well like he's preparing them mentally for crossing the white line. But, uh, I mean, that, that's, that's part of it, is that, that there, there are also certain truisms about Mourinho which seem to come true every time. And mm. that's part of the problem, is that, that for Chelsea, for a long time, that's been part of the identity of the club. And the modern Chelsea, the last decade that we know, the perception is all about Mourinho. And all that seems to be falling apart. Well, yeah, of course, but Mourinho, according to you know, I, I really dislike the fact that this is all being aired in public. Mm. But the, Mourinho did come out and say that he prepared his players perfectly for that game, and or, or w- no different to the way that he won the league a few years exactly, ago or any of those exactly. Things, yeah. And the fact that he's come out and said you know the players were in a good shape. He did. Mourinho is known for his his attention to, attention to detail. Um, I think that he gives each player a dossier on not only the team but the specific opponents which they'll be facing. I imagine that he would have done all of those things, a usual, you know, normal service going into the Leicester game, mm. and those instructions were disregarded, according to Mourinho. So what, what, that led to the comment of betrayal. Yes, yeah. which was very misjudged, I think. You, you, <laughs> uh, I mean, that, that's an interesting th- thing to say, but Mourinho, because the thing is, we all think of Mourinho as a very calculating person, someone who mm. kind of uh, every step is. Uh, is is well calculated, but actually that's not necessarily the case. That's definitely a myth. It's definitely. I, I think that's a myth with uh, with everybody. Uh, I th- you know, people said it for years about Alex Ferguson. And I think that it was also a myth. I think that mm. when they're brilliant men, you know, they're fantastic at their job. Mm. But when they they definitely have it in them for to do knee jerk reactions, say the wrong thing, and because of their previous brilliance, 
they say it's you know people go oh it's mind games. Like I remember when we had this uh, you know the uh, doctor situation, the doctor Conera. <laughs> Chelsea were going to play Manchester City. We got a very poor draw against Swansea. Swansea were unlucky not to win the game. Mm. We were playing Manchester City in a huge game earlier in the season, uh, so early in the season. People were saying that, that Mourinho had purposefully orchestrated this this <laughs> argument with a doctor in order to, to shield his players from the headlines about the Swansea game and prepare them well for the City game. Couldn't have been further from the truth. Yeah, and um, I think that's part of it is that Mourinho is almost not unwilling to take the rough with the smooth. And actually, when it's smooth, then Mourinho is you know the smoothest. Yeah. When it's rough, you, well, he's you, the roughest. Exactly. I, you know, I, saw, I remember reading a quote from Sir Alex Ferguson about this. And he phoned up another manager and just to organise some tickets. He needed some tickets for a member of his family. It might have been John Gregory. Mm-hmm. And Gregory organised the tickets, hung up the phone and said goodbye. Gregory phoned him straight back and went, what was that really about? I know that wasn't about the tickets. I know you're up to something. What? And Alice <laughs> no, no, was like, no, no, <laughs> it was the tickets. I wasn't, I wasn't playing a mind game. What, what do you make of this? Uh, the theory I've sort of seen in the last couple of weeks is that the classic free season syndrome with Mourinho. It all goes wrong in the third season. Yeah. And what people are essentially saying, I think it was on Monday Night Football, this was Carragher and Lampard were saying this, that essentially Jose Mourinho has never encountered this situation. He's never been in this situation with a club and therefore he doesn't know how to rectify it. It's a true statement. The, the way to rectify it is to win football games though and mm. he knows how to win football games. Um, of course he's never <laughs> of, co- no, uh, <laughs> of course he's never been in a relegation battle before uh, and that's certainly what he's in now. Um, but I, th- I do think that he is the man, he is the right man to lead us Still. out of this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is my thing, is, is, is that, I mean, I, actually I think Rory, I posed this question to you before. It was a question I got on another podcast on World Soccer Talk. And the guy basically said, why don't Chelsea use this season? And Lampard himself said it the other day. Yeah. saying, why don't you use this season to reset? Now, we were saying this months before, mm. I monthly Chelsea. Chelsea oh, yeah, 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 but <laughs> the, the point is that why don't they use this season to reset? Why don't the club publicly back Mourinho? Say... Well, look, we understand that certain players haven't performed to the best of their ability and essentially hit the reset button and maintain some PR face and, and sort of and, and essentially use it as a tool for good because at the moment it seems to be destroying a lot of the good things that Chelsea have done as far as their own plan goes. Do you think they can reset next season though? So basically, essentially, they've almost got two options now, right? You either get rid of Mourinho or stick with him, back him until the summer and as you mm-hmm. say, reset change the squad next summer, sell, you know, the likes of potentially... FFP's going to make that hard, though. Exactly. So we're looking at a team that, you know, is, as you say yourself, in a relegation battle, mm. unlikely to mm. qualify for the Champions League if they're not already out of the race already. Yeah, we are out Unlikely to win the Champions League. Without the Champions League next season, like Lawrence saying, FFP makes that difficult to completely change that squad. Is getting rid of Mourinho for how many his conversation is? Is that the only option maybe they have? It's an option. I don't think it's the only option. I, I don't see why these the there's you know there's obvious there's there's obvious hostility between players and and the management. Mm. But they need to build some bridges. They, it wasn't long ago that we were looking at the relationship between Mourinho and Hazard and thinking that it was exemplary. Mm-hmm. The relationship between Mourinho, Hazard, and Hazard's father was one that was pulling in completely in the right direction. Really, and and Hazard was setting the world alight. Mm. That needs to be repaired. Whatever the damage, you know, nobody knows exactly what went wrong. We have there's a lot of speculation. We obviously have some pretty good ideas, but that needs to be mended. We can't simply. Of course, it does. Why? Why not? Why not say look we. Uh, you know, because there are other options there, which is essentially cut and lose. What get fifty million for Hazard? Yeah, you need for the rest of the on. season. You need to rectify that because get playing this season. What you've rightly also said and used uh, Ferguson as, as sort of a, 
you know, an outline for, for a great manager, he was never afraid to cut someone out of the team. And Mourinho arguably has been the same. And in the past, that's been okay because other people have been able to step in. Mm. Maybe he misjudged how uh, key Hazard was. Hazard is. I, th- I think there are certain. You know, I think I think Ferguson has done it with with the likes of Yapstam, who's obviously a fantastic player, but not irreplaceable. Mm. Yeah. yeah, Varane, um, yeah. Beckham, yeah, and no, Cantona. Cantona, he's stuck with. So Cantona might might be your yes, case. Yes, exactly. Um, but Cantona's a very different player. <laughs> There's actually a similarity between you know, the brilliance of Eric Cantona isn't dissimilar to the brilliance of Eden Hazard on his day. Mercurial. And exactly, okay. exactly. And somebody like Hazard will, is required. He's very young. Mm. If Chelsea are going to rebuild, if we're going to find our feet again, mm. you're relying on players like Eden Hazard being being part of that, not shipping off and and buying who. Can I say then that I'm what I'm always a little bit confused by is the immediacy that we focus on with Chelsea and. Uh, I continually find in my job that I, I completely change my opinion about different mm. clubs. For a while, I really wasn't a fan of Chelsea and mm. their approach to spending so much money, those kind of things. I almost now feel completely sorry for the fans because of the way that their clubs have been managed. And we very rarely add context to what's going on around Mourinho and the fans of the club. And almost the helplessness of the fans because there's so much money backing Chelsea that they, it, you know, it alienates the fans to some extent. And they're happy with the success, but at the same time, the, the problem for me is the shortcut to success that maybe Abramovich took has misserved the fans in the club in the long run because they don't have anyone that represents them out on the pitch in the sense that Loftus Cheek isn't playing. There were other young guys coming through you, you who haven't been represented. You wrote an article on this week, didn't you? You saw okay. the distance between the yeah, players and the, Absolutely. The disparity between the, f- the, the players on the pitch and the fans in the stand is ever-growing. Ever and that, that's the same at all clubs. Of course, the problem at Chelsea is... But it isn't the same at all clubs. Spurs, mate. There's Spurs, (laughs) Liverpool feel affinity to, you know, the likes of Jordan Ibe, Flanagan's coming back, Henderson, United fielded a back four, which was all coming through their academy, granted foreign, but still all came through the academy. There's Lingard, there's Uh, other people. There are are still players at Chelsea, of course the gap is growing and there is is an issue, it is something that Mm. does concern me, but there are players who do do still understand the DNA and the makeup of Chelsea Football Club, Mm. players like Loftus-Cheek are around, players like John Terry are still around, I believe that uh, Jose Mourinho is, is an example of somebody who really gets what it, what being a Chelsea fan means, but there is a huge problem in in how far removed the, the club have become from the fans. However, I do think that the fans have done very well and made up some of that ground recently. Mm. Remember that Chelsea, if Roman Abramovich had his way, Chelsea would no longer be playing at Stamford Bridge. Sure. The reason that we're playing at Stamford Bridge is because the fans fought for that. I'm convinced that. Are you sure? Are you sure it's just a no, no, it's the, no, no, it's the pitch. Elsewhere. It's the pitch owners. I, I'm one of them. I, I am a Chelsea pitch owner. Roman Abramovich is a custodian of that, but I, I am the owner, and that is a hugely powerful thing, and they, therefore, that is why we're still playing at Stamford Bridge. Equally, I'm convinced. Very interested to hear your thoughts on this. But I'm convinced that Jose Mourinho would have been sacked if Roman Abramovich didn't realise that the wrath of the fans would have been too great. The, the, the unanimous, unilateral support that the fans provided Mourinho at every single game, at the worst possible, at the worst moments, away at Stoke, getting knocked out of Stoke, getting knocked out of the Carling Cup, excuse me, at Stoke City on penalties. It was about midnight and the entire away end is chanting Jose Mourinho. And I understand that. Are we slightly seeing someone then, and that, there's, there's almost an irony to this, someone who owns a club who's freezing in the headlights essentially, because what, well, he, yeah, well, what they do need is someone there who's going to back him. And, you know, John Henry at Liverpool came out and backed Brendan Rodgers. Uh, the Glazers, even at United, 
backed Ferguson, backed their man, and essentially they're backing Louis now to well, some yeah, extent. Abra- Abramovich did come out and back Mourinho in the season. The reports today are uh, the clubs, uh, the clubs having discussions about the future. I mean, what do you make of those reports? Uh, yeah, I, 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 I think I don't know. <laughs> t- today's reports I found generally laughable. At least I hope to be laughable. Well, one minute they're meeting, the next minute they're having a Skype session uh, or whatever it is. Yeah, but I think that these these meetings are blown up by the press. These yeah. meetings must happen on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah so so no, it's, it's not actually just... reporting a fact, but it's yeah. not reporting a fact. Exactly, ex- yeah. exactly that. And. I think that the, the, the suggestion that one day Ramos is waiting in the wings to come into joke. Roman Abramovich... Of course he is, he can't work anywhere else yeah, at the moment. But, but, but Roman Abramovich had his fingers burnt once with Chelsea fans. The, the Chelsea fans have, a, have a, a love, a unilateral love for Roman Abramovich. That was tested once, and, and only once, and that was when I never felt less in touch with my club was as I did when uh, Rafael Benitez was manager. Sure. And I don't think that Roman Abramovich would risk putting a Tottenham manager on. So sort of. Yeah. Interesting. But you would say there's other people out there that, um, that, the, that the Chelsea fans would be yes. able to. Yes. Ancelotti would be a good example of someone who the, cl- who the fans have, a, have a nothing Hiddink but love for. Hiddink again today was mentioned. Hiddink. I think Hiddink is a different figure to Ancelotti. Yeah. I think An- Ancelotti, because there's also, to some extent, Chelsea has become a bit of a prestige club. Yes, and Chelsea do want that prestige, and yeah. essentially that's what I'm saying. Is Abramovich took a shortcut to prestige at times, and yes. it's misserved the fans. Would you say a shortcut? I think. I th- oh look, you know, we spent a lot of money, and we. But that was our only way of doing it. You know, we, we, it's important to remember that Chelsea were in the Champions League when Roman Abramovich yeah. bought, bought us. You know, we were we were knocking on the door. Um, but arguably, you have the same level of Liverpool, those other guys. Yes. Who yes. maybe even just below Liverpool because of what Liverpool. Yeah. Although interestingly, it was Liverpool who we knocked out of. We, we had a playoff, yeah. so it was Liverpool who played on the final yeah, yeah. day of the season when Jesper Gronkia scored. Yeah. But yeah, of course, you know, I, I would never, I would never dream of suggesting that Chelsea's status, even now, even even you know, under Roman Abramovich, we've had some fantastic years, and Liverpool, it hasn't been so great. No Chelsea fan in their right mind would even begin to suggest that Chelsea are. Even near to Liverpool's stature, not not historic stature, no. But you definitely say that in terms of the club now, marketability-wise, is, is yes. I suppose looking at it from that depending, yeah. depending on what yeah. you market. But let me bring it around uh, background then to finish it off. So we're talking about how you know you're saying you back Jose Mourinho. You think he's the right man at the moment? Completely. Would you not how? back Carlo if he came in? I would back anyone in a Chelsea shirt, with notable exceptions. So but, Rafael Benitez. So I mean, but, well, he didn't really wear it. He wore a yeah. red tighter for the first time. I would back, but. Whether saying would I back a new manager, somebody like Ancelotti? Absolutely, that isn't the same as would I happily welcome Ancelotti? Would I be happy yeah. to see the back of what Mourinho? What I want to know is how how bad does it have to get before Mourinho? You you're against Mourinho because you're saying that Abramovich won't sack Mourinho because it's against the will of the fans. When does that point come with the fans? So are you asking our next two fixtures now? Was two six pointers against Sunderland and Watford? <laughs> Relegation. Six are you pointers. are you asking yeah, if I'm we were to lose, lose those, those two, two home games? When 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 does the the final straw come? Sunderland and Watford next home. You've got Manchester United away on the 28th. Is it is it after this Christmas period if things? If you are, I will. I, answering this question for me, if we were mm. to lose those two games and then lose at Old Trafford, I would still say that Mourinho is the right man. I think you're, I job. think you've got to go out the Champions League for for them to lose. We are going to go out the Champions League. I think we've got such a tough. Yeah, of course. I, I still think that Mourinho is is the right man. Give him to the end of the season, no matter what, mm-hmm. no matter right, what. Right, right. Even you know, even if that means going out of every cup competition and finishing sixteenth, give him the time. Whether that, whether my feelings there, my sentiment will be reflective of the of the support mm. if we were to lose those games. Perhaps. What do you think the, the support is? The support is so, it's so passionately in favour of Mourinho. Why? 
because we love him and he won the league. He won the league, what, six months ago? So yeah. why do you, but what do you love about Mourinho? If anybody, if anybody has earned the right to put this problem right, if anybody deserves a bit of faith from us, if anybody um, should have a bit of grace and a bit more time, he is the man. He's earned that for us. He, he guided us to our first Premier League in, you, in 50 years. Do you think there's a little bit of exceptionalism for this guy? Because if this, arguably, if this was any other manager in the Premier League... Oh, 100%. League, if, yeah. if this was any other manager, he'd be gone. So if it was any other manager, I'd, I'd, be, I'd want him gone. You're saying he's a special one? I'm saying he's a special <laughs> one. It's a special <laughs> case. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, well, there you have it. Thanks very much for coming on, Rory. Oh, it's a real pleasure. Fantastic. Go, go subscribe to Chelsea Fan Channel oh, yes. on YouTube. Yes. Well worth a subscribe. Even if, the thing is, Rory every day. But the thing <laughs> is, also most people don't go and subscribe if they're not a Chelsea fan. So I, I'd imagine you have a lot of Chelsea fans that watch. Generally, yes. but if you aren't a Chelsea fan, go and subscribe because you always learn watch. something about Chelsea. Yeah. Your nemesis, and you can, you can use that against them. <laughs> and also, you get yeah. to see a lot of unhappy Chelsea fans at the moment, which yeah. you should enjoy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and those are rare. So uh, <laughs> go over there, hit subscribe. It's really good. Perfect. Thanks, yeah. man. That was fun. Very interesting stuff there from uh, from Rory. Really Lawrence. good, good chat. I think we had Rory's there. just a nice guy, wonderful guy, really nice guy, and yeah. he's a very passionate Chelsea fan. Um, I'm surprised that he essentially sticks by Mourinho, and it seems like he's going to stick with him no matter what. He was sort of saying, you know, if over the Christmas period they lose every game, he'll still be behind Mourinho. I'm surprised by that because Dave, I mean, Mourinho has showed no signs of being able to turn this around. What's going to change? Well, that's what I sort of alluded to before in the, in the previous podcast is they're going to have to sell a load of players and bring a load of new players in. Today we saw we said um, James, James Rodriguez being linked with a swap deal with Eden Hazard. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's, it's media, do that. Well, it's media t- rubbish, but we, we put- it's quite interesting uh, a concept of, of taking your big player out, Eden Hazard, and swapping him with somebody else. Well, we put, this player, to, you know, so. we put this to Rory. I was sort of saying, you know... Uh, in- they have two options here, Chelsea. They can either get rid of the manager or they can revamp the squad, which basically doesn't want to play for the manager. But revamping that squad could be very difficult when, you know, financial fair play, they're not going to qualify for the Champions League this season. It looks like all that money lost, they're not going to be able to revitalise the squad unless they do sell the likes of Eden Hazard, potentially. But his value has probably gone down significantly, I'd argue, this season. So sure. surely it's cheaper and more feasible to get rid of Mourinho, pay him that compensation for thirty million, than right. We've got to completely revitalise this squad. Diego Costa's got to go. Fabregas has got to go. Hazard's got to go. It seems it doesn't seem like a feasible option. It's one of the two options. The interesting thing is, if you think about Mourinho, right? Yeah, he does very, very well in the first two years. But is this his business plan? Does he do so well in the first two years that then you know he'll change something in that third year mm. and he'll get sacked and he'll get a massive payout? He's going to be turning Maybe. over a lot of books. He's a, he's is this a, a, it's a conspiracy that Lawrence is going to come like and absolutely annihilate in a minute? Genius. No, I, I, I <laughs> yeah, there's, longe- there's longevity um, in some of what Mourinho does. I think well, the incredible thing that we did see was the uh, in the ten years that, uh, since you know they've started the Chelsea project we saw the incredible loyalty that the players showed to Mourinho in that time. And, you know, so many journalists joked about that on the inside, that people, they missed his training, they missed his in-depth analysis, they missed all these things. They were almost, Jonathan Wilson the other day, I was watching a video back then, back in 2012, I think it was, and he was sort of joking that the players were like, no, Jose wouldn't do that. Jose, Jose didn't do it. No, Carlo, you don't know. Jose wouldn't do it this way. And, <laughs> and the players were fiercely loyal to him. So it's not like he, he can't build up squads without that longevity. But it, it's something, it's almost the, the, the superfluous factors 
that trip him up in the end. It's almost pride before a fall with Mourinho mm. at times. And, you know, in this same interview, which is on the Football Ramble, uh, Jonathan Wilson says he's almost like Cleopatra and he has this lovers tryst with, uh, with people and uh, with, oh with clubs <laughs> and leaves them scarred. Um, and it, it, to some extent, I'll buy into that. Well, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with Mourinho, whether he's seen a job past Christmas. But that does bring an end. Past this podcast. Week, past this podcast, <laughs> potentially, yeah. Uh, that does bring an end to this week's podcast. So thank you very much for listening. Um, hope you enjoyed it. Do you want to do the comment of the week? Who, did we not do comment of the week? Um, I think I want to save comment of the week for the Q&A podcast on Saturday because the comment of the week is going to be whoever compiled that best £500 million team. Like, you haven't forgotten about that. We did ask, and there was, was a, there was some great suggestions flying in. Prolific. A little bit disappointed of our squad in hindsight. I feel like we could have done better. I feel like but, your criticism uh, Emre Chan, Chan was not warranted. Yeah, uh, oh, I think it was. I feel like you're really unreasonable. So the comment of the week will be coming up on Saturday anyway. Be sure to tune in on Saturday. That's when we will be doing that Q&A podcast. Uh, until then, guys, if the, the whole wants to go and follow you on Twitter... S-Q-U-A-W-K-A Dave that's it isn't it Dave that's exactly right Adam what about um, you mate how do we find Adam Boltwood oh Adam Boltwood on Twitter mate you just type that in and you'll see my um, I think the latest thing I tweeted was very upset after the Newcastle Tottenham game it was um, a little bit hard to take but uh, Lawrence what about you if you want that miserable stuff yeah I was just, it was uh, <laughs> it was it was very spursy it was very spursy wasn't uh, it? L-O-Z-C-A-S-T see you there Fantastic. Thank you very much for listening to this week's Front 3, and we'll see you on Saturday. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 